Welcome to the Twins Talk It Up podcast, where my identical twin brother and I share our thoughts and provide solutions for executives and professionals who want to become masters of speaking and communicating so that they can maximize their influence and impact. Yes, we are identical twins who happen to also be public speakers, executive coaches, and sales leaders. Our company, DSB Leadership Group, focuses on equipping leaders who want to speak with confidence and authority, all while using their authentic voice. Here on the Twins Talk It Up podcast, we present topics about communication and leadership from our perspective as individuals and as twins. Welcome to the Twins Talk It Up podcast. Welcome to another episode of the Twins Talk It Up podcast. If we were to take a snapshot of your business, what would people say your brand is? Today, we're going to look into this and address so much more about how to build your brand with our special friend and our guest, Shala Graham. Shala is a brand strategist, speaker, and writer. She's also the founder of Calling Qualified, a nonprofit ministry focused on inspiring women to pursue their God-given calling and gifts. She's also the owner of Creative Colony, a co-working space and community of professionals within the Washington, D.C. metro area. Shala, welcome to our program. Thank you. I'm super excited to be here. Uh, from time to time, when David and I are speaking, we will, and we say this on every podcast and every episode, but we will let you know who's speaking because at times we do sound alike. Uh, so this is Danny. One of the great things about our special guest today is that she, along with Dave and I, have something very close in common. We went to the Howard University. Thank so you. she is a graduate of Howard University, and I would like to make sure that she feels welcome. She is a fellow bison and she is a great supporter, just along with, with uh, the vice president as well, who was also a Howard graduate. So legit, just to let you guys know, there's nothing but awesomeness that's gonna be happening today. <laughs> he is a graduate. I resist um, wearing my uh, ladies of Howard University swag. I was like, yes, I was, I was ready to be extra, but I was like, dial it back, Charlotte, dial it back. It's go. gonna be okay. <laughs> It, well, don't dial it back too much, Charlotte, because uh, this is Danny, by the way, because I want you to tell the community a little bit more about Creative Colony, your photography business, your, um, your ministry. You have, you have so much going on and your hands is touching so many different things here and there. It is exciting. We'd love to have the audience know a little bit more about everything that you're doing. Sure. Uh, sometimes I feel a little schizophrenic because there's... There... <laughs> There are so many things going on, uh, and I, I'm wondering, like, how do you, how are you going to manage all of these things? Um, but a, a few years ago, as I was working on understanding my own brand um, and and what I am most passionate about, as I was uh, building uh, my speaking platform, the phrase, the positioning that I came up upon or developed was courageously chasing the call. And I realized that that was something that tied all the things together that made me feel a little less, I'm just doing random things or from what, what from the outside looking in may feel random. There's a co-working space, there's a photography studio, there's this ministry aspect. Uh, but what it means for me is no matter what I'm doing, my role is to help people courageously taste their calling, uh, whatever that is. And I do believe that all work is sacred work. Like if I'm putting my pastor hat on, I think of all work as sacred work and it only becomes secular 
when you pull your faith out of it. Um, and so when I'm in my co-working space, I'm helping local, mostly creative entrepreneurs chase their calling, right? I'm providing infrastructure and systems so that they can do what they need to do and focus on whatever it is their task is. When I'm working with women as a photographer, I do headshots and brand photography. I'm helping them courageously chase their call. I'm developing creative assets that are gonna help them build their websites, create their uh, social media followings, all of those kinds of things. So I'm actively working to help them chase their calling. And then of course, in ministry, uh, in my ministry, I'm coming alongside of women, inspiring and mobilizing them to chase their calling specifically to ministry so that they can do the thing that is on their heart. And so that's kind of like a high level <laughs> glimpse um, of the things that I do and, and how they're connected and how it, it still fits with me. Um, and I don't feel like I am necessarily just being pulled in a ton of different directions. It's a, it's a miracle to kind of manage my time uh, so that I still have time to eat dinner with my family and play lots of mahjong and like phase 10 in the evening. Like I still have to have that time in because my mama don't play um, about her like phase 10 mahjong time. We need to get that in. Um, and so I just want to make sure that I am still staying um, true to who I am, true to who um, God has created me to be. Um, and I, and I think it's a beautiful thing to be able to kind of work in, um, what we call, you know, vocational and, you know, kind of, uh, regular non-vocational, uh, work. Um, mm -hmm. so, so yeah. Shala, I'd love that. I know exactly how that feels when you're serving as a minister and you're working with professionals and you're living like in so many ways in two different worlds, but what's amazing about what you've done is you blended them all together to where it really fits around you and your brand. And that's why we wanted to have you on. We wanted to really share with our listeners the value importance of branding in the right way where you stay true to yourself. So I love that. And, and matter of fact, for our listeners out there, her creative colony space is amazing. Love that space. Great space for professionals. They can go there and work away from the noise of what they might be familiar with to come into a, a space where there's incredible opportunities to get their pictures taken. They can get studio time. They can get a private little office there, all to be able to get their support. So Charlotte, what you do really fits together in creating a sense of branding in every area from ministry to working with professionals. This is what you do. You recently conducted a workshop entitled Build Your Brand Right. For those of you that may not recognize the importance of a solid and effective brand, workshops like this are invaluable. Charlotte, what does it mean to have a great brand and how can you help organizations to build the right brand? I think a great brand, well, one, let's, let's, let's define what a brand is, right? Because I think a lot of people get confused um, and they, they directly associate their brand with their logo, their graphics, their colors, and all of those things do play a part um, in what we call a brand's visual identity. But your brand the simplest definition of it is your reputation, right? What are you known for? And so whether or not someone puts up a picture of you, a logo of your company, uh, they're gonna start thinking things, 
right? Mm -hmm. They're going to start thinking about uh, what you're like and, and what you stand for and, and how you resonate. So whether you say, you know, Kamala Harris, or you say um, uh, Martin Luther King or Martha Stewart, right? All of these people, they, they make you think of something, right? And that is their brand. And so all we can do is try to manage our brand. It's kind of like when you're in high school, whether or not you were intentionally trying to, you developed a brand, right? You developed a reputation as the jock, as the artsy fartsy creative person, as the nerd, as the, you know, ditzy, like you created a brand and you didn't even have to be like, oh, let me like strategically think about what you just existed. And as you existed, people began associating things with you. And so when you had a communications crisis around your brand, something happened, rumors started happening and you probably went into brand management mode. Like, how do I fix this? How do I get them to like think of me differently? How do I manage my reputation? Companies do the exact same thing, right? When they hit the news and stuff ain't right, you know, their PR person, their communications office goes into overdrive trying to, fix the crisis of the brand, right? And they're trying to pair positive things instead of negative things with the brand. And so that's kind of like our foundation of what the brand is, right? It's this reputation that you're trying to manage um, from however people think of you. And I've been talking so much that I totally forgot about what your question was, bro. But <laughs> But I feel like I was answering it on some level. You are, because you had to set the foundation. This is David. Yes. She had to set the foundation of what a brand is. And it's exactly. such a great point because it's what our reputation is. It's what we're known for. And in high school and growing up, I was always Dan's little brother, even though we're identical twins. So I had to build my own reputation. And, and this is what's amazing about us coming on this program. But Shala, I was asking about your workshop you recently did entitled build your brand right. And what does that mean for organizations and how can they build the right brand? Yes. And so what it means is making sure that your foundation is set. Uh, mm -hmm. So what I often find is people have created uh, things that they like, like, their visual things. They've started mobilizing programs and activities and services, but what they're missing are their brand values, right? Brand values, the things that are central to you, that are core, these are the things that should point you true north and should help you filter all of your opportunities, the things that you say yes to and no to. Uh, and I ran across this a lot when I ran a design firm and uh, we focused on nonprofit organizations. And as we would go into uh, reworking their website, for instance, we would see all of these random programs uh, that were listed. And I was like, what is, how is this connected to this or to that? And honestly, the answer would sometimes be, so-and-so came to us with 20 grand and they wanted us to do this program. We got bills to pay. And so we did the program. Mm. And I was like, you know, that's real. I can appreciate that. Um, but what it did is it made things seem so hodgepodge, but if they were able to stick to their values and not be driven by the dangling carrot of money, they would be able to say, you know what, these are the things that we value. These are the things that we are committed to. This is our true north. 
and they would filter their opportunities and the things that they were going to do through their brand values. Mm. Um, and so it's important that as you're building your brand, right, you know what your values are. So oftentimes people start with all the other things and then they're like, oh, values sound good. Let me slap some values on that. As opposed to saying, you know what, let me identify what the things are that I really value, that this company values that we stand for, tried and true. These are the things that we will reward, right? That we will um, acknowledge um, as the things that we really want to do. And so that sets the tone because oftentimes when people are trying to build the brand, right? There is what I call the brand power mix. So there is uh, frequency and consistency, right? So people are like, I'm, I'm saying the same thing over and over and over again, right? Frequency and consistency. But when they're missing the values, when they're missing the things that are really going to help them connect with their audience and with who they are, you're just kind of like a resounding gong, right? No one wants to hear that. You just keep talking and talking and talking, but you're not connecting with the things that really matter. And so that's what I call this brand power mix. You need to be frequent. You need to be consistent, but you need to be rooted in your values. And so start with your values, then build on top of that. Once you know your values, then you can begin to discern what your personality is, right? The tone, the way that you deliver, the way that you design things, right? Your brand personality comes out of your value. So if I, um, some organizations like irreverence is like a value of theirs, right? That's probably like a more edgy, funky, you know, <laughs> progressive kind of thing, you know? So if, if I value irreverence, then my personality is probably a little more sassy, a little more bold, a little more edgy, a little more funky, right? And so what's helpful as designers, right? <laughs> this was always the thing that I hated the most uh, when I ran a, a design firm, we would work so hard to develop whatever the creative thing was and we would present it and they would be like, hmm, you know, I don't know what it is, but it's missing something and I'll let you know when I see it. And I'm like, that is not helpful feedback. Like, I don't know what you are looking for. However, if they were able to say, you know what, we, we kind of, you know, we kind of value irreverence and we need this to be more funky. We need this mm. to be more edgy. It's missing those specific brand personality traits. Mm. That's so much more helpful. That's helpful to your designers. That's helpful to your communication strategists. That's just helpful to everyone else because they actually have words yes. that they can use to articulate what it is that they are looking for. Um, <laughs> and so those are just two of the things that are important to building your brand right. Because if you can't articulate like what really matters to you and what, how you want to come across, yeah. then you got, you got some problems. You're not like being the best partner yeah. in, in kind of this creative experience. And then from there, you're developing your target audience because it's way easier to talk yeah. to a very specific person than to everyone or to exactly. multiple types of people. It's just painful because you, you start to be like, oh, well, I don't wanna turn this person off or I don't wanna do this. Am I, I'm meeting, it just gets way more difficult if you're not super honed in on 
who that person is that you're supposed to be talking to in your business. And then you can develop your messaging, which um, a lot of people will transform into their elevator pitch, right? The thing that they say, they, they know what really drives what they do or how they describe what they do. Uh, and then you can get into your positioning, what makes you unique. Um, in whatever your industry is, what makes you unique. Um, and because of that uniqueness, your audience receives what results. And so that becomes your unique selling proposition or your value proposition as people describe it. And so those become this kind of um, overarching summary of that brand and being able to build it right so that you can go forth into whatever your services are, website creation, mm -hmm. content strategy, all of those things can multiply outside of that. So after you develop your brand, then you get into your marketing, right? Branding is the foundation of marketing. Um, so yeah, so that is why it is important for an organization to build their brand right. We'll be right back after this short break. We want to thank our sponsor for today's episode, Live Love Thanks. Live Love Thanks helps purpose-driven women leaders, executives, and entrepreneurs to permanently eliminate clutter and end stress and overwhelm so they can move forward in their careers, relationships, and health. Visit LiveLoveThanks.com for impactful coaching and program professional women's. I am delighted to announce that App Meetup's customers can now benefit from the presentation and speaking training courses with our integration and partnership with DSB Leadership Group. DSB Leadership Group is committed to providing training and resources to support professionals becoming more effective communicators and increase their impact and value. And that is the reason why App Meetup and DSB Leadership Group have formed a partnership to make sure that our MSPs, which is you, can be effective and powerful speakers in the community. Thank you for listening to the Twins Talk It Up podcast. As a special thank you, we have an amazing offer for our listeners. 20% off products or services on our website. Just send us an email with the subject line podcast, and we will send you that special discount code at dsbleadershipgroup.com. And now, let's get back to the episode. Welcome back to Twins Talk It Up podcast. Awesome. You know, this was like a, I would say that this is Danny, by the way, this is a summary um, and a little hint. Now, listen here, audience. If you have a business, take this into note. And here's the reason why. Having a brand, as, as Shala said, is going to really help you to stand out. It's going to really help you uh, have the foundation. Then you can go into your marketing aspect. When we think about every year, the Super Bowl, and I want to bring this up real quick, is that every year I find and my wife find we have great conversations about the Super Bowl commercials more than the Super Bowl itself. And then you see in social media, people want to talk about which commercial they spent hundreds of million dollars for a 30 second spot or a one minute spot. So when we think about these commercials, we always think, go back to did the commercial go back to the origination of what the company stands for. And when you think about the biggest brands in the world, Nike, Disney, Amazon, Google, I mean, Amazon, if you ever look at the box, it looks like a smiley face, right? And it actually goes, the smiley face starts at the letter A, it goes to the letter Z. So what Amazon's trying to say is that we're going to make you smile and happy from A to Z. That's what the A to Z means. And then you think about Apple uh, and, and they, they were actually listed as the number one brand in the world, according to Forbes. And they have a little bite out of the Apple itself. But I remember the days, I mean, I, I have a MacBook. My wife has a, an, a Dell XPS platform. 
and our kids have HP laptops. So they're all they're, like, we're splitting the household. I'm Apple and everyone else is, is non-Apple. And I'll be switching over to uh, a Windows uh, environment pretty soon because of my relationship with Microsoft. But when I think about Apple, it was always came down to, they make the best quality. They don't have to have the most functions. They don't have to have the most features, but they make the best quality because the quality is excellent. You're willing to spend more and pay more than something that's less expensive that's gonna fall apart. And so when we think about these, these brands and the value they put together, it goes right back to what you said earlier, Shala, as you was giving your dissertation for everybody, because I, I think it's so important. And I, I have clients, Dave and I, we have our clients and we look at our clients' websites. We look at their social media pages. We look at everything about it. Nothing about their website states anything about who they are or what they are. There's nothing about them that says, okay, so you're happy, you're not happy. I mean, people forget that even the color of their logo gives a certain meaning, a certain feeling. And that's part of your brand. That all that together, it just, it just blows me away how people don't think about that enough. And here you are specializing in that. From the moment you started, and the example you gave that cracks me up, and Dave mentioned earlier, is a high school, right? Your brand goes all the way to high school. We were, we were called the twins. People didn't even try to determine who Dave and Danny were. We were called the twins. And Dave, you did brand yourself in high school, and you still do it to this day. Even at Howard University, Dave, Dave wore suits every day. <laughs> if he didn't wear a suit, he, wore, he dressed up. I didn't care what I put on. I just put on a T-shirt and walked out the door because I did engineering, right? I was an engineering and physics student, double major at Howard. Dave was the school of business guy. So he was Mr. Mr. President of the International Business Society. He was this, he was that. He always wore a suit. So when people looked at us for the first time, they can just look and say, okay, that's Dave. He's the sharp one. He's going places. That's Danny. You can tell he just woke up, ate some cold pizza and went straight to the lab. <laughs> <laughs> so I just want to bring that up, Shala, that you, you, know, you, you, bring a great, you bring up some great points and it's bringing back some interesting memories. Yeah. Yeah. I wasn't a twin, but my older brother was a senior when I was a freshman and he was Mr. Central, star of the football team, one stay in track. So I didn't have a name mm -hmm. until like my junior year. I was little Eddie or little Wilson for all of, of, uh, of high school. And he did his job as a big brother to threaten all male <laughs> population in my high school to stay far, far away from me. So it took until about my junior year for people to forget that there was this looming big brother who would hem you up real quick. And so I was like, oh, I'm, it, it was probably for the best. It was probably in my best interest to have Big Brother set the tone yeah. Yeah. for who was, you know, going to step to me. So bless that's the Lord. That's funny. That's funny. <laughs> Thank God for Big Brother. You right, better. That's right. Uh, and Charlotte, by the way, this is David. Um, when I think about branding, and we're going to talk about this in a moment, but if you're listening to this program and you're enjoying the content, and you're enjoying our guest that's here with us today take a moment and go ahead and subscribe to our program. It doesn't matter what platform you're on, whether it's YouTube, Spotify, iHeart, or even Apple, go ahead and hit subscribe. And if you really like what we're doing, become a sponsor of the program. Now, let me go back to Shala here and ask this question. We talk about branding. We talk about corporate branding. We're talking about personal branding, the whole concept of reputation. It makes me think of the word authentic. Authentic being a true reflection of who you are. When you work with your clients, Shala, how much of this is a soul searching process or 
a time of them to really learn to reflect within to say, this is the way you got to present yourself. I think it is um, foundational. Um, I think so much of it is this soul searching because here's what happens. If you aren't um, walking in step with who you were designed to be, you will feel out of step. You will feel disconnected. And people start using words like this thing is soul sucking, right? It is not what they really, really want to do. And it's painful. It's painful to continue to do something that is not true to who you are. Uh, and so that's why you have people going from being like lawyers to photographers. Like they're like, no, I just need to like create. I just need to like be free because there's something in them that maybe they were good at it. And here's the thing, you can be good at something, but that's not what you're called to do. Um, and so oftentimes we want to do the thing that we're good at. Um, and that's something that I have struggled with at times because I'm like, but I can do this. I can do that. I was like, I got all the talents and I need to use all of them. But at the same time, I'm like, well, what's what's good and what's great? And how do I stay in tune with what I'm really supposed to be doing? And so when you're especially if you're doing like personal branding or you're a solopreneur um, at where the where the brand really does revolve around you, um, it is a very um intensive, um, soul searching kind of process where when I'm kind of coaching people through, I'm like, well, what is the message that you're intended to speak on or write about? I'm, I'm usually asking them questions to help them dig, right? What, what rises to the top? What are you most passionate about? If there's nothing else that people get from all of your writing and all of your speaking, what do you want them to be left with? What is it that kind of like wakes you up in the morning? Um, and that's how I help them to define like, this is your brand. This is your message. This is your unique voice and your tone of us. Because sometimes, especially in the speaking world, um, your story may not be like one of a kind, if you will. Like there are multiple people who speak about, I don't know, uh, losing a child or dealing with cancer or right there are lots of people who have similar stories but your perspective on it your personality your tone the way that you connect with people it's your own right that's your own brand and whether so people could have similar stories but one person may gravitate toward you and another person may gravitate toward another person um, and that's some of the kind of beauty of what we do kind of as a society is that there's enough fish in the sea for everyone to succeed. Um, and it becomes being able to understand your own worth and your own value and realizing that you're not called to everyone, right? Every design firm is not meant to work with every company. So it's, you're needed. You just have to know who your audience is. You just have to know um, who you're supposed to be working with, what budget they have, what audience they have. Uh, so for me in my design firm, I knew that we worked with nonprofits. Uh, there was a, they were usually nonprofits that were in kind of a humanitarian justice or like very people oriented. We didn't do a ton of environmental. We didn't do a ton of like animal things. We really cared about 
people, homelessness, education. Um, and so those were the organizations that we worked with most. And because we niched down and said, we work with nonprofits, because this was scary. It was scary for me to say, no, we, we don't do professional services. We don't do tech companies. We don't do that because in our mind, we had the scarcity thing happening where we feel like, no, I gotta, I gotta cast the net super wide because I can't miss the opportunities. The interesting thing that happened is that all of a sudden business grew because when we knew our brand and who we were marketing to, our writing spoke specifically to them. We could speak specifically to board members, volunteers, donors. And so they came to us saying, well, you get me you know what we need. You understand our problems. We want to work with you. So it made it far easier to close business because we knew our brand. We knew how to project our brand and how to connect with the right audience. Um, so it is important. And it was important for us in terms of, you know, going back to like that soul searching, this working with organizations was important to me. Nonprofit organizations was important to me, right? When we looked at our values, excellence, honesty, and compassion, there was a deep intrinsic need to be compassionate toward people, uh, to be compassionate toward their needs, toward one another, to provide excellent service, to be honest about what we can and cannot do. Um, and so because we valued particularly compassion, it drove us to work with these organizations and in the hiring process, praise God for hiring processes, I was able to vet the right people to be on my team. Because if your resume, not your resume, if your cover letter did not speak to this desire to serve people, to help the poor, to do whatever that thing was, I was like, you're not right for the team. This is just a job for you. I don't need people who are just a job for them. I need people who care. I need people who feel like, yes, I want to provide these organizations with the best service because I value what they do. Uh, and one of the things that we did as a company is uh, we sponsor kids through Compassion International. Uh, so we were writing to them and granted it is a faith-based organization and my employees may not have necessarily shared like the same deep faith, but I was like, look, if you can't care about a kid who is poor, who does not have, whose family is living off of $30 a month and write to them and just love them generally, you're not the right fit for this company because you don't value compassion. And so again, because I knew who I was and how I wanted to lead this organization and the kinds of people, right, that I needed to have around me, it made it easy for me to, to say yes or to no to people, to opportunities, um, and to know who it is that we really wanted to serve um, as an organization. Well, uh, this is Danny. There's a couple of nuggets of wisdom that you talked about. Um, and I want to, I want to get to a little bit of it, but not too much because I, I think about that. I'm like, I'm taking lots of notes, right? Um, one, uh, one reason why I'm taking notes is, uh, my company and my brother and I both entrepreneurs, which is phenomenal. My wife's an entrepreneur. So we, we, we live in a household of every day. It's uncertain. <laughs> um, but my clients, we teach our clients to specialize and verticalize. And Microsoft want, they desire to have my clients specialize and verticalize. And one of my friends I went to graduate school with, who's a client of mine as well, specializes and verticalizes in his IT space. He has become the, the known to become the individual to work with if you're building out this particular product across the United States. And so the good news is that when, they, when new 
new things are going up. I don't want to give away his business. They look at him. They do the design work. It could be, it could be a, a $300, $400 unit going up, whatever it may be. They call him. And so he has projects now for years. And one of the things we try to teach him is you, if you're specialized, you're verticalized, everyone talks about you. People know who you are. They know what you do. And the word gets around that you're the specialist. You don't want a generalist helping you. You don't want to go to a doctor when you have a foot problem, but the doctor is really a generalist family, family doctor who doesn't know anything about your feet. It's not going to help you. It may guide you, but it's not going to help you. And one of the other things that uh, we did this year with three of my friends, we started a nonprofit. And this nonprofit, it was aggressive over the next three years to grow black tech firms. And our mm -hmm. goal is to make $100 million, 1,000 digital transformation in inner city communities, and 800 net new tech job hires in the next three years. And so we had this big Rise event launch. David was our MC. So I thank you, David, for being not only a sponsor with Microsoft, but also the MC. And what we found out is, is something unique, and I want you to talk about it, is that the nonprofit world often is put in a different light than the for-profit world. And you said something so unique, which blew me away, is that you decided as a firm, you're going to specialize in nonprofit, that you couldn't, even though there's opportunities for the for-profit world reaching out to you, talking to you, you said, no, I have to stay true. And by staying true, you were able to get more business than you would have gotten if you would have did the shotgun approach, right? And so that's what happens with my community. They do a lot of shotgun. I, I asked my people, what do you do? Well, I got this client, I got that client, but they're all over the place. This client pays this much, but that client pays that much. Well, what if your little client finds out that they pay 10 times more than that other client? It's so confusing. And so the quick question is, the difference. Is there a branding difference for nonprofits and for-profit organizations, or is it still the same thing because it goes back to the DNA, the foundation you talked about earlier today? Is there a difference between the two? I, the process for developing a brand is the same, Okay. right? The same process that I use to uh, work with independent writers and speakers to when I worked with nonprofits, is the exact same process. I might use different words, right? Um, and it's interesting. So I have these set of worksheets that I would send people and they're like, is this right? Is this for me? Cause it's, it, it makes it sound like I need to be an organization. I was like, no, the questions are still the same. The things that you need to respond to are still exactly the same. You just have to put it into your frame of reference. Mm. Um, so what comes out, every, every brand that's developed out of the process should be unique right? Because it's yours. It's your organization and your organization should be unique. So the, the, the marketing of that brand is going to look different, right? The, um, the colors, the, the design, the words that you use, those things are going to be different, but the process for getting there is pretty much exactly the same. Um, and so that's what's always really helpful. Um, I think it is important that when you are looking for someone to partner with to help you develop the brand, that you, you work with someone who does know your industry, right? Because their frame of reference is just going to be different, right? Their understanding um, of, of your struggles, of your systems, uh, of the type of people you're reaching, it's going to be different. Um, and even their ability to kind of work within uh, that audience and to create something that is innovative and different will be important, right? Because if you only do that particular industry once in a while, you'll probably got like a one trick pony happening, right? Like it works, 
right? But if if you if you're like, oh, I have two organizations that both deal with the same kind of topic, like they can't look the same. They can't be the same. You have mm-hmm. to know how to dig deep and to like push yourself um, yeah. to create what is the differentiator because that's really one of the things about branding is what makes you different, right? It is your reputation, but what you're really trying to get to is your position. What makes you different? Mm-hmm. So you think about uh, Volvo. I'm always watching uh, car, you know, the car commercials, right? Even with, um, you know, the Super Bowl ads. I was like on Facebook, I'm just here for the ads. I'm just here for the ads. And yes, I could care less for everything else. And I was like, this ad is wasting my time. What just happened over the last 90 seconds? Um, But like, when I think about like, okay, what car is, um, what brand is like, yes, if you need a safe car, this is the car that you buy. That's Mm -hmm. Volvo. Every ad that you see Volvo does, they're talking about, oh, you almost hit that little girl, but you didn't because you were in a Volvo. And we had that auto stop feature because we value safety, Mm. right? Or Subaru, everything is about love, right? The love, the adventure, you could be out doing the things you love. You could be surfing, you could be, you know, mountaineering somewhere because that's what you love. And Subaru is going to help you do what you love, right? They're all cars, right? And hopefully your car works, your car takes gas or electricity, like it's going to get you from to, to and fro, but Volvo's about safety and Subaru's about love. And yep. That is their brand. And they're going to stick to that sucker. And every time I watch it, I'm like, yep, they're still on brand. They have not changed. They're still singing the same thing. And I don't know, one day, you know, when I have kids, I might be like, I need a Volvo because I need safety. I don't know. Right now I'm going to kill it with my Honda because I need gas mileage and, and longevity. I don't even know if that's their brand, but that's what I think of. When I think about a Honda, this car is going to last me for about 15, 20 years. I'm going to ride to the ground because I'm trying to save my money. Okay, I went on a tangent. So. That's true. No, I love it. That's awesome. <laughs> but one, one, uh, one other thing is, um, as you talked about the branding, you know, one of the things I like to do, and I don't know why, it, maybe it's kind of a weirdness of me, but I like to look at organizations over the years. As you said, mm-hmm. over the years, Volvo had talked about safety. And then you talked about Subaru, spoke about fun. And then Honda is all about reliability. Whether it's still true or not, we don't know. But it's because that's what it was built on. And that's what we learned to accept. So because of that positive momentum for those organizations, is there ever a time when an organization should rebrand or reposition their brand or change their logos, change their colors, change their identity in essence? What, at what point does an organization say, you know, I think it's about time we change out who we really are because what we were is just not coming across what we think it should be. At what point should organizations rebrand? When the values change, Uh. right? If your branding's foundation is your values, if your values change, then you have, in essence, rebranded, right? You think about, for instance, who you were in high school right? And someone meets you 20, 30 years later, and you're no longer that wild child, right? But you were, you know, upstanding, you know, school of B, right? You, you, you got yourself right. Your brand has changed, right? And that is when you have gone through a rebranding process. A lot of times people will say, oh, we're rebranding, we're changing our logo, we're changing our colors. Mm. But if your values are the same, you've just mm. kind of like refreshed your identity, yep. right? Which is again, connected to building that reputation. So there might be times when uh, you're kind of tweaking things, people tweak their logos all of the time. 
but a true rebrand is when you're really trying to change your reputation mm -hmm. because your values have changed, right? The people that you really want to serve have changed. Uh, the things that point you true north, the things that you reward um, have changed. And so that is when you're deciding to do a rebrand. So again, if I go back to my design firm, when I went from kind of, you know, jack of all trades, trying to serve multiple industries to focusing specifically on nonprofits and honing in on, you know, these specific things, I experienced a rebrand. Yes, there was, you know, we changed our colors, we changed our logo, which those things changed, but we were trying to change our reputation, mm. right? We were trying to put a stake in the ground saying, this is who we are, this is who we serve, and therefore we are rebranding the company. Mm -hmm. um, so that's when you really are rebranding in like in the truest sense of the word. Um, but you can easily um, change your identity. So say for instance, maybe your values haven't changed, um, but you're realizing that your visual things, your logo, your graphics, your colors are not in alignment mm. with your brand values and your brand personality. You're like, oh, I'm trying to, you know, kind of communicate like a, a, a warm and, you know, compassionate and, you know, human. Maybe I should like ditch the like bright red and like neon green. Like that might not be on brand. And so there you're just saying like, you know what, this is not fitting right um, to who we really are. Right. So let's update those things to make sure that they're really connecting. Um, and sometimes people are, uh, are redesigning their logo purely functionally, right? Mm -hmm. I've come across clients who uh, their logo, based on how their logo was designed, it doesn't fit well across multiple things, mm -hmm. right? Because we've had to, you know, design for swag, pins, posters, websites, social media icons. They didn't have enough um, iterations or a flexible enough logo that it was going to fit each of those environments. So it may have been a very functional reason to change a logo so that it can be used in the ways that they need to use it. So uh, those are different kind of instances where someone might be like, you know what, it's time to like retool this um, and, and, and get this going. Some, some logos from a visual identity sense, they're just not fresh anymore. Yeah. Right. Your values may not have changed, but you're like, yeah, this, looks 10 years old no one wears this bell bottoms like anymore yeah <laughs> this is this, i'm on a time warp so let's just get to 2021 uh that's a valid reason as well to just refresh the identity um, of your materials yeah. charlotte this is david and i've got to take this uh, another step further with that that question here and really ask you to dig a little deeper because we're talking about companies that might be in a position where they're forced to rebrand. We talk about brand integrity. It could take years, decades to build a brand, to build a company's reputation. And it could really take just one bad mistake or one instant to tarnish it, destroy it, and they have to start over. So is this leading to really understanding the value of brand integrity or what could be meant by that? Um, when I think about brand integrity, I, I think about staying true to who you are. Okay. Um, and, and when you do come across that misstep, right, because we have missteps, um, and there are organizations 
that have had missteps, individuals who have had missteps in life. Um, and it, 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 the onus is on them to like to rectify or to reconcile, right? So this is why you have people apologizing on Twitter. You have people, you know, so-and-so, they said some things, they fired, right? And, and we expect action, right? The, the, the watching world is like, you allow who to do what? Now I need reparations stepped. And so people have to make decisions to, to again, manage the brand, to repair their reputation. And sometimes they can effectively repair it. And sometimes people just feel like so lost. There was, I was reading in, in one of my kind of boards where there was a um, unfortunately, a ministry where the founder, the ministry was named after the founding person, um, and all his stuff came out the closet after he has passed. And they're at a place where they're like, we have no choice. Like, we have to recreate, right? Because people are hurt. People aren't going to be able to look past because this man's name is still on this sucker. Um, and so that's a very, I mean, it's tragic, um, but it's an instance where they're going to have to, they have no choice, as you said. They must rebrand and rebuild with fresh people, with new vision, uh, new values, new uh, accountabilities, mm -hmm. <laughs> systems and structures to build what is trustworthy. Um, and I think that is what is really critical when we talk about integrity, when we talk about an authentic brand, we're really talking about activating trust, yeah. right? People do business with people they trust. And when you break that trust, you're in a very tough situation um, and it's hard to rebuild trust. And that's not just not with business, that's with just individual people right? Like, you know, there are things where, you know, you know, I ain't always done things the best as a wife, you know, I, you know, I trip sometimes, you know, I lose my ever loving mind every now and then. And my husband has been like, Shala, oh, trust has been broken. And we need to like, like, I'm going to have to work through things. Like I ain't been cheating on my husband, y'all. Just let me just be clear. You know, we faithful in the Graham household, but there are just things, right? That maybe I've said, or uh, that I did that didn't land right. And we as people, we have to build trust. And when we lose trust on any level, you got to repair that. And because we're devoted to marriage, I can't be like, let's rebrand and get you a new wife. Like, that's not going to happen. I got to figure that out, right? I got to figure out how to rebuild trust. He's got to figure out how to rebuild trust. Um, and we got to push through um, because we're devoted to our you know, brand, if you will, um, our marriage, our, you know, relationship as a couple. So it happens, man, it's on every level. Um, you can make applications uh, to it. We'll be right back after this short break. We want to thank our sponsor for today's episode, Paul Jackowitz of pauljackowitz.com. For all your website design and management needs, visit Paul Jackowitz. That's Paul, J-A-C-K-I-E-W-I-C-Z.com. 
Thank you for checking out the DSB Leadership Speaking Podcast. If you are enjoying the program and are learning something along with us, please consider becoming a supporting member through our Patreon page at patreon.com slash twins talk it up. Also, consider leaving a five-star rating on Apple and comment on our other platforms, including YouTube. If you'd like to learn more and get more information, we would like you to become a guest on our future episode. Send us a message via our website at www.dsbleadershipgroup.com. Thank you for listening to the Twins Talk It Up podcast. As a special thank you, we have an amazing offer for our listeners for a free consultation over the next two weeks. Visit our website and schedule your free 30-minute consultation. And now, let's get back to the episode. Welcome back to Twins Talk It Up podcast. This is Danny, by the way. I I think that that is quite funny. (laughs) It's about let's rebrand and get your new spouse. (laughs) <laughs> um but one of my the wife would have gotten rid of me a million times <laughs> i know because of like my, my crazy we both dave and i even though we're identical we're we're opposite as well but one of the things that we're identical about is we have ideas lots of crazy ideas and sometimes our, our wives have to calm us down because we we want to do everything and and when you do everything nothing gets done um so one of the things you said that was kind of funny and it's true is now with social media uh, when someone comes out and does something, everybody sees it and everyone can say, what? Oh, no, no, we're not going to talk to that company anymore. And next thing you know, you see these, these leaders step down. Either they were racist or they um, did things and, and treated their employees unfair. Like maybe they treated women unfair. Whatever the reason is, they've had to step down uh, and the organization had to let them go. Recently, the CEO and president of the Seattle Mariners had said something very um, Mm -hmm. derogatory for 45 minutes about the uh, Asian culture. And he had, he had said, I'll do whatever it takes to make up for what I did. I'm sorry. And then a week later he had to resign. He's the present CEO of of the Mariners, right? This was like the top dog, but he was hurting the brand. So when when we think about these effects that take place, uh, and, and a lot of people want to be in all those social media platforms. Right now, the new platform is Clubhouse. And Dave and I are starting to explore that. But everyone's on these platforms. And when they mess up, everyone hears it. So you want to make money off the, these platforms. But at the same time, it can actually destroy you as well if you, if you make these remarks of racism and, or sexism and things like that. Um, which platform do you, do you feel has been the most effective to help take your brand to the next level or to continue to build your brand because marketing is so expensive nowadays and everyone has to be price conscious on what they do and how much they spend on marketing. And so if you're a small business, like my business or Dave's business, for example, which brand or which platform, I mean, which platform is probably going to be the most effective for that individual company? Um, that answer is really um, dependent upon your audience, oh. mm. right? So there are people who are killing it on Facebook, mm-hmm. right? But their audience is likely not, you know, Gen Z, yep. right? The, the current high school, college-aged people, right? It's probably people who, our age, <laughs> 30s and 40s, 
50s, right? Because Facebook came up with us. Um, and so it's a very casual, you can do long form, you can share articles. Um, and so there's lots of engagements around groups, right? People are in groups, they're connecting in that way. So there's that platform for that purpose, right? There are people who are on Instagram. So I've, as a photographer, I've found clients through Instagram. I tend to lean, I tend to bring in my clients through Google, because I believe strongly in having strong SEO uh, so I can get the free advertisement. So people usually find me on Google, but the next platform, social media platform that they find me on is is on Instagram. And so uh, mm-hmm. I even had clients say, I'm not really on Instagram, but I know creative people like you are. So I did a hashtag for like DC or Maryland photographers, and that's how I found you. Um, so Instagram tends to be a little more uh, creative, visually driven, uh, quick, easy, ingesting. Um, and there's a, there is a, you get into a younger audience, right? Um, there aren't as many um, older, there aren't as many older Gen Xers, right? I still, even though I was born in 82, I still identify as Gen X or like, what do they call it? Zennials. I'm like, I'm right in between, Dagon. I, t- I write reports on a typewriter, okay? So I, I, I don't like to be stuck in a millennial uh, generation, um, but they're, they're not as older, right? Yeah. Uh, those are the people who are going to adopt Instagram a little bit later, um, but there are lots of um, 20, 30, 40s on Instagram who like to consume visual video kind of content. Um, YouTube is kind of, I mean, YouTube, YouTube, after Google, YouTube is the second biggest search engine. Yeah. Right. If you're not searching on Google, you searching on YouTube because you need like the how to to fix what and like, you know, you need those particular videos so that you're going on that platform. Um, So YouTube can be a great channel for, you know, all of the people who are doing the vlogs, the trainings, the, um, you know, the following along, like my nieces and nephews who are like three, four and five, they know how to work YouTube. They're like, where's the YouTube Auntie Shala? And they, they know how to work that. Like, so YouTube has a really large audience and demographics. We got five-year-olds making bank on YouTube because they're like, you know, doing the five-year-old perspective on, you know, toy testing, right? Mm-hmm. They're like, this is some targeted feedback here. And if I get this five-year-old's vote of confidence on these Legos, we about to get it. So it's very so, interesting what people are doing on these platforms. Um, when uh, Twitter, uh, Twitter is kind of phasing down, in my opinion. I've kind of aborted Twitter. I was like, look, I ain't got time for all this. This is a whole lot. Um, but I find more professionals on Twitter, right? Because they're commenting on politics or commenting on like social things. There is quite a bit of um, uh, casual things, a whole lot of, you know, they got black Twitter, you know, folk, you know, wilding out um, on different uh, situations. Um, but in my professional world, uh, Twitter was a very like leading community um, for those things. So it really depends on who you're reaching. I have not got into Clubhouse yet. I had to like sit back. I was like, what is this Clubhouse thing? Like, I don't know what this is. I'm already tired. Um, so I don't know if I got the mental energy and bandwidth to like, you know, figure this thing out. Um, TikTok is definitely Gen Z right and and early millennials but mostly gen z and again i was like 
Nah, I'm tired. I know I used to be a youth pastor. So I was like, oh, I should probably be on TikTok, but Pastor Charlotte ain't got the energy. I'm just going to have to love y'all to Jesus in person because I can't handle it. Um, but again, to answer your question, it all depends on your audience and who you're trying to reach. So you have to choose a platform that is going to help you reach your particular audience where they live, what they're active on, because there's no point in just being on the quote unquote leading platform that has the most people if your people are not there and they're not engaging in the content and the kind of content that you want to put out. This is David, Charlotte, and I appreciate what you shared because as a public speaking trainer and a public speaking coach, I often emphasize that it's not about you, it's about them. It's all about your audience and where they are is where you need to be. So that really helps us to understand where we should, putting our, uh, we should be putting our efforts, our time, and focus. And so for TikTok, that's not for me. That's not what I do. And part of it is I don't know how to use it. But the other part is it's not really a focus for where my target audience is. As I'm focusing on executives, professionals, C-suite, they're not on TikTok. At least God, they shouldn't be. So anyways, yeah. in, this mind, <laughs> in this mind, I have a question because we've been talking so much about building your brand right. We talk often about, or at least throughout this podcast, about the importance of trust. Are there any other traits that you would say are vital for a successful brand? I mean, we talk about being authentic. We talk about being memorable. We talk about fun, or you mentioned earlier about being edgy. Are there any other traits that we could keep in mind for building a right, successful brand? Um, so in addition to, you know, that, that frequency or consistency, right, and, and having deep-rooted values, I think right now in our current climate, um, being a really good storyteller, mm. having that human-focused connection is really, really important. Um, as people have been um, on social media, right, if we think back 10 years um, a lot of people on social media, they were just like shouting, right? Yeah. They're selling their stuff. This is coming out. This product is here. Check out how good this is. Uh, when we were writing things for our websites, we're thinking about our keyword density. You know, what does Google like? And I still think about that. I ain't gonna lie. I still think about making sure my words are right because again, I've already communicated that I use, I drive a lot of traffic to my business from Google. Um, um, but the storytelling piece, the, the being able to um, communicate who you are and what you stand for and invite people into the journey to be real, to be, to be a human being is valuable, right? Because again, people connect with people um, and they want to be a part of, they want to see who you are. So even if you think about, um, you know, Tay-Tay, Taylor Swift, right? I don't know if she's still a thing, but I remember looking at her Instagram profile like 2017, 2018. Um, and if she, all she did was post her music on all of her things, like people like, oh, I can, you know, I can, listen to your music I can like you know download your album on Spotify and, and keep it moving but 
it was the personal touch, right? It was seeing her with her friends or with her dog or with her whatever. It's that personal touch. It's letting you know that she's a real human being that drives the interaction. And so even now on Instagram in particular, that's the platform I tend to spend most of my time on. Um, you see people trying to create engagement, right? Sponsors who want to sponsor people, they want they look at your engagement rates, how many people like, how many people comment, um, on your post and in order to get people to comment on your post, you have to draw them in with a story, with a question, with something that makes them feel like, yes, I need to take my five seconds to hit comment and like type these emojis and, and then move on with my day. Like there has to be something that makes them feel like they need, like I got to engage in this. Right. Um, and so I would say, be a storyteller, make sure that you feel human, Right. Because again, when it, it's corporate and you're just the organization, people don't people don't want that. People want to feel like, yes, yeah. you care about the people. So Love be a storyteller um, is yeah. what I would say as we're, you know, kind of, you know, moving forward. And and I think, David, you said this earlier, make sure that you're an expert. Right. You got to be an expert at something. Right. So in the midst of um, being personable, telling your stories you got to know what you're an expert at. And really, that's really what your brand is, like what makes you unique, right? You need to be able to sprinkle that in so people have a reason to follow you, especially if you're a business. They have a reason to follow you because you have the nuggets of wisdom that they need. Um, and so they're going to be more likely to, to stick in and, and watch. Well, Shala, we're definitely grateful to have you on and appreciate the friendship over the years, the partnership and building. Not, not only we talk about our businesses, but really the, the ministries that we're a part of. And if we want to build the right brand, it's conversations like this we have to have. We have to be willing to be honest. We have to be open. We have to be able to seek direction from professionals such as yourself. And if you want to know more about Shala, you can find her at shalawgram.com. Or you can also look at her ministry at callingqualified.org. Shala, it's such a joy to have you on. Dan and I are so honored and so blessed to call you friend. And so excited to know that you are an HU graduate. So we love that part. But uh, <laughs> you mentioned something even earlier about uh, storytelling. We're going to actually dig into that in a future episode. So thank you for joining our, our podcast today. Thank you for joining our program. We look forward to seeing every one of you on the next episode of Twins Talk It Up. We'll talk to you guys soon. Thank you, Shala, again for coming on with us. You're welcome. Thank you for listening to the Twins Talk It Up podcast. Please subscribe and follow us on Instagram at DSP Leadership and visit us online at dspleadershipgroup.com to learn more about our workshops and trainings. We will see you on the next episode of the Twins Talk It Up podcast.